This special episode is made possible by the generosity of our Patreon supporters. To learn how you can help support the show and get access to exclusive content produced exclusively for supporters, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash newsaz. Liftoff and the clock has started. This is Freedom 7. The fuel is go 1.2 G. Kevin Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. And we have liftoff. Liftoff of America's first space shuttle. And the shuttle has cleared the tower. All three engines up and burning. Two. One, zero, and liftoff, the final liftoff of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle. America will continue the dream. A beautiful morning for a launch in Florida. Ten, the igniters have been lit. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And liftoff at dawn, the dawn of Orion, and a new era of American space exploration. Welcome to this special production from Newsaz.com Internet Entertainment, the Gozar Atlas V launch special. I am Matt from Newsaz.com, and I had the unique opportunity to once again spend a day at Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida, and witness another launch from Space Complex 41. So what is this special about? Well, it's mainly about the launch. That's what this is all leading up to. But I thought it might be worth talking about exactly what the launch is, what's being sent up into space along with what's carrying it up there. Along with that, I did have a few hours to spend at Kennedy Space Center before I had to board the bus to the launch viewing area. And as luck would have it, the new attraction, Heroes and Legends, opened just one week prior to my visit. So you're going to hear a little bit about that in this special, too. First, let's talk about the launch details a bit. The launch took place on November 19th, 2016. The scheduled launch time was set at 5.42 p.m. Eastern. This was a rescheduled launch from November 4th. After Hurricane Matthew rode up the east coast of Florida, NASA and the United Launch Alliance rescheduled all immediate planned launches in order to take time to assess any damage and make any necessary repairs. The launch took place at Kennedy Space Center at Space Launch Complex 41. This is the launch complex for unmanned expendable vehicles directly east of the vehicle assembly building across the Banana River. The launch vehicle, it was an Atlas V-541 rocket. This is the fourth launching of the 541 version of the Atlas V rocket, but more on that shortly. The mission for this launch is Gozar. That's G-O-E-S-R, not Gozer from Ghostbusters. Gozar stands for Geostationary Operational Environmental Satellite Series R. The R in the series is the next designation for the GOES system. STNU are already in various stages of planning and development for the future. This is the next generation weather satellite from NOAA and NASA. This is actually a pretty cool piece of technology they put into space. Now, admittedly, I don't know or even really care too much about meteorology. I watch the Weather Channel like everyone else. I'm not going to go out and learn how to figure out weather myself. But spending the day to cover this launch, I got to learn quite a bit about Gozar, and it's actually pretty cool. 
When Gozar reaches its final destination, it will be 22,240 miles above the Earth. There's one key factor to its orbit, and it's part of its name, geostationary. It'll be looking directly at North America when it moves into its final position, and then it will match the Earth's rotation so that it will always be looking at North America. Now, I said it'll be looking at North America, and in many ways, that's largely an accurate statement. Gozar will be constantly monitoring that part of the Earth with a 16-channel imager. And the cool part is, it'll know what it's looking at. This next-gen weather monitoring satellite is going to vastly improve weather tracking in a lot of ways. It has four times greater resolution on the images it's capturing, five times faster analysis and coverage of its designated area, increased tornado warning times, and improved hurricane tracking. As far as the imaging advancement in this satellite, the one thing they said over and over in the presentations on this system is that this will be like going from black and white to high-definition television as far as weather monitoring, tracking, and imaging goes. That's just what it's improving. It's also adding quite a few new features to the whole process of weather monitoring. It'll provide real-time lightning tracking both in the clouds and strikes on the ground, and it's going to monitor volcanic cloud and fog detection for the very first time in the entire GOES system. Beyond Earth's weather, it's also going to track some aspects of space weather, namely solar flares. It'll track and monitor solar flares and process their potential effects on the Earth. Moreover, it'll also monitor radiation levels in relation to the International Space Station, providing them warnings of any approaching or potential danger. Beyond weather tracking, Gozar will also be monitoring distress beacons in its monitoring field. It'll relay any signals and positions it picks up to search and rescue responders. Now, how does that all translate into what we see on the Weather Channel? Well, that's a whole other conversation and frankly over my head. But both NASA and NOAA have put out a lot of information and a lot of videos on this project. I was shown quite a few. I watched a few on my own preparing for this episode recording, and I was actually pretty captivated by a lot of them, I'll be honest. It's real easy to find them. Just type in Gozar, that's G-O-E-S-R in the YouTube, and you'll find plenty of material to watch, going all the way back to when this idea was first being designed and started the build two years ago. The last little bit of information on Gozar is that it is 18 feet wide and over 6,173 pounds. So how does something that heavy get into a geosynchronous orbit? Well, that leads us to our next topic, the launch vehicle, specifically the Atlas V 541 rocket. The 541 model of the Atlas V refers to three main vehicle features. The 5 is for the 5-meter tall payload cone. The 4 accounts for the four solid rocket boosters that ignite at launch. And the 1, that's the number of engines in the upper stage or the secondary stage rocket. The Atlas V stands 191 feet tall, and with its entire payload, meaning the 6,000 plus Gozar, the entire weight of this rocket at liftoff is 1.17 million pounds. The first stage of the Atlas V is what gets the rocket and the payload off the ground and into space. The main booster's fuel is a combination of liquid oxygen and RP-1, which stands for Rocket Propellant 1, which is also a variation of kerosene. This burns through the entire booster for about four minutes. The four additional solid rocket boosters fire for the first 94 seconds of the launch. This helps get that entire 1.17 million pounds out of the grip of Earth's gravity. The second stage booster, that is named the Centaur Upper Stage. This will fire a single engine once to get the payload into low Earth orbit. Once in position, the payload fairing, that's the five meter cone mentioned earlier, is shed. 
From there, Gozar will extend its solar panels and antenna and move itself into its exact proper position. The Atlas V is the heavy lifter of the Atlas family for the ULA. It's had over 50 launches, many of them satellites of some sort, military, communications, navigation, weather, etc. But it's also delivered cargo to the International Space Station. It's given Maven its kickstart to Mars, and it's carried the Boeing X-37 orbital test vehicle. So I think that's enough prep to explain the launch and its mission. Now it's time to get to those recordings. To start off with, as usual in this type of coverage, we're going to start with me heading out to Kennedy Space Center. I am on my way to Kennedy Space Center for the Atlas V Gozar launch. It's a little early in the morning, but not as early as I had hit the road for the Orion launch about, I guess it's about two years ago now. If you haven't heard that set of episodes, it's a three-part series, I guess mini-series covering the very first Orion launch. It's on newsaz.com. So if, after you listen to this, if you like what you heard, that's kind of the same thing, just a bit extended. So... Uh, anyway, that's Orion. Just search Orion on Neozaz. I think that's the only, uh, any kind of post that have the words Orion in it. So that should be pretty easy to find. But anyway, back to this one, this launch, the Atlas V launch. Um, it's, like I said, not as early, but I am headed out there to get there pretty much right after the office is open because there is a process you have to check. You have to have everything checked in by 10 and have all your tickets and whatever else you're going to need to get on the bus to the viewing area by 10 and I certainly don't want to miss it so I'm getting there right as the a little bit after the doors open my intention was to get there when the doors open but I woke up and started to hit the road and got kind of hungry and realized I'm probably going to be in line for a little while and it might not even be till closer to 11 or so till I can actually eat so I stopped and got some breakfast but I don't think that's going to make me late at all so um, that's, I guess, about it to set up the start of this day. So it's going to be a long day, but it'll be, I'll be in Kennedy Space Center. There's plenty to do. It's, it never gets old for me. So I'll be happy to see most of the center again. Plus there's the Hero, uh, Heroes and Legends exhibit. That's the new attraction that they opened, I think, actually like two weeks ago now. Not very long ago. Not e- maybe like a week ago or two weeks ago. So I haven't seen it yet is the point. So I'll at least see that and I'll see... Uh, I don't think I've taken many 3D pictures of the Rocket Garden either. So that'll be... I'll get that done as well. So plenty to do. I'm not worried about not having enough to do and not and about being bored because I, I never am when I go there. So um, yeah, all right. I'll be back in just a bit, probably with a little bit on the Heroes and Legends exhibit. So needless to say, the fact that I'm able to do this special and have recordings to share, I got there in time. I checked in, cleared and confirmed, no problem. After that, like I said in the opening of this episode, I had quite a bit of time on my hands until I had to board the bus headed to the launch viewing area, about four hours to be exact. But luckily, I was in a place where I could easily spend four hours, even longer, and I have in the past, and of course that was Kennedy Space Center. As further luck would have it, again, as I mentioned in the opening of this episode, Kennedy Space Center opened a new attraction. It's called Heroes and Legends. Here's a description of the attraction directly from the Kennedy Space Center website. Counting down to liftoff of NASA's early space programs inspired a nation to reach for the stars. Discover what it means to be a hero through the stories of NASA's space pioneers at Heroes and Legends featuring the U.S. Astronauts Hall of Fame presented by Boeing. Walk among giants in the rocket garden and appreciate the technology that taught us how to defy gravity. 
I was pretty eager to see this along with the Astronauts Hall of Fame exhibit. They had moved the Astronauts Hall of Fame from a completely separate complex down the road to the Kennedy Space Center, really where it belongs, so that people could easily see it. So after check-in, that is the first place I went. And here's my instant reaction to that new attraction and exhibit. Well, with having plenty of time to explore Kennedy Space Center before I have to board the bus for the launch area, I took this opportunity to check out the new Heroes and Legends uh, exhibit here, and it is pretty cool. Very cool, actually. So if you're interested in space, the real early, early years of the space exploration, the manned space exploration program, you gotta check it out. You should just check it out, regardless, especially if you have any interest in space. Very cool. Um, man, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but I'll tell you kind of what it's about. You have an early presentation of uh, what it's like, what is a definition of a hero or a legend to many people, many astronauts featured in that film. Then, this is what I do want to tell you about without spoiling it as best I can. You go into a 3D presentation, and before you roll your eyes of another 3D presentation in a theme park, well, a, I should say a Central Florida attraction, I don't know if you call this a theme park, I do, but that's me, um, don't roll your eyes until you see it, because this is in no short order of me saying one of the best 3D presentations I've seen in any of the places I've been, and if you've been a long-time listener of Neo's as and as special as I do, you know that I've seen just about all of them, if not all of them, in all the parks. This one is unique and very cool. And it features a lot of really <laughs> um, interesting, and I mean that in a good way, pieces of space exploration history, starting with a, I think, widely forgotten near disaster, the Gemini program. Uh, that was actually really exciting to see and really a pleasant surprise to see that featured. Then it goes on to uh, feature John Glenn, but not as an astronaut, as a marine pilot and some of his dogfighting years in the early jet plane uh, fighter, I guess you'd call them, years. Really, really interesting. And there's more than that feature to it. I'm not going to give it away um, all away. I guess I gave some away, but uh, you still need to see it. Trust me, what I'm describing does not... Uh, give it does not give it its due justice then from there you go to this really really I don't know beautiful I guess is a word presentation again I know they say another presentation it's just say exhibit really beautiful exhibit of the different programs and astronauts including one of my favorite Virgil Gus Grissom and they had his flight suit and a nice almost memorial uh, to him as well as the um Apollo 1 tragedy. Very, very, very nice, very tasteful, very great thing to see as a space enthusiast. Then from there you go into the Astronaut Hall of Fame, which again, beautiful. Uh, very tasteful, very serene, very, very uh, low-key, but yet still very respectful to the men and women that are honored in that hall. So absolutely check this out. It's the Heroes and Legends exhibit. It's built right off the Rocket Garden. Actually, I'm going to take a little walk through that right now, take some pictures, uh, relax a little bit, probably before I get something to eat and before I need to get on the bus, but check it out. Heroes and Legends, great addition to Kennedy Space Center and great, just another one of the, another great reason to come visit this place. So, okay, I think that's about it. Probably go out to the launch site after this and uh, cover the launch. From there, I just enjoyed the complex, as I always do. I took a ton of pictures in the Rocket Garden. I went to the Atlantis exhibit. The only thing I didn't do was take one of their usual bus tours because I didn't want to run the risk of being late for the launch viewing area bus loading time. And that's where we're going to go next here. I board the bus. We're taken to the viewing area. 
Once again, our viewing area, there, there is tons of room. There's room for cameras, video gear, you name it. We all got our fair amount of room to do our coverage unobstructed. I love covering launches at Kennedy Space Center. I have to say that outright. So here is a short recording of me in the viewing area once I got everything set up. I am at the launch viewing area. And there's the announcement, as you heard. We're down to one hour and 30 minutes. I'm directly across from the launch, launch site. Got my two tripods set up. Got some pictures and videos ready to roll. Very excited. Beautiful day. Don't think weather's going to be a problem. Hopefully everything is good on the, I don't know what you would call it, mechanical end. Everything's ready with the rocket. Should be ready to go. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll record the announcements and some of the countdown, and then I'll record the entire launch for you. That should be up real soon. So we arrived about two hours before the launch window. There was food and drinks to buy, including a beer stand, which I've either never seen before or noticed before. Having never noticed it before, I've made the joke on our social media pages that the viewing area coordinators must have seen news as on a media list. To help pass the time while we waited, there was a gentleman named Tom talking about the launch and answering questions in the viewing area. Here's just a little bit of Tom on what we were going to see that night. So the launch... 5.42, what are you going to see? Well, ladies and gentlemen, you all pick a perfect day for lunch because this launch is going to occur about 15 minutes after sunset. So at ignition, you're going to see a real bright orange color, like a big flare because at the attached to the bottom of that rocket are four solid rocket boosters. And they're gonna burn for just under two minutes. It's gonna give it most of its lifting power at liftoff. But what's gonna be unique, that rocket's gonna take off in the darkness. But as it rises higher and higher off to your right, the sunlight is gonna catch it. So it'll be like a bright golden plume going up for the first two minutes, approximately. And that will be a beautiful picture as the sunlight catches that rocket as it rises above the Earth's shadow. But here's the other side of the coin. People always ask us, what's the chances of this thing launching? And here it is. It's always 50 50. The rocket and spacecraft have millions of parts. They all have to be working at the same time. The launch pad, the fueling system, the launch control, they all have to be working. Radar, range destruct system, all have to be working. And there has to be a tugboat with a captain on board that has a radio turned on so he knows about that restricted area out there in the ocean so he doesn't go sailing his tugboat right through the restricted area. That happened a couple of times. That canceled a launch. So the water off the coast is restricted for approximately 30 miles. Let's hope there's no tugboat going through at the time of 542. But they have one hour to get off the launch pad. One hour to get off the launch pad. But ladies and gentlemen, Let's all be positive. This thing is going on time. Now, I picked that particular clip for a reason. I should say at this point, I 
don't have the greatest luck with launches taking off on time. In fact, I've been to launches where they've been postponed to the next day. I don't have the greatest history of on-time rocket launches. This one, well, it was no exception. The launch time was set for 5.42 p.m. At about 5.40 p.m., we heard this news. LD, LD, gentlemen. Go ahead, LD. We are working a technical issue relative to the launch vehicle, and uh, based on that, we're not going to make the opening of the window, so I want you to delay the call to the spacecraft to go on internal power. It's planned for L-10. Copy. We're just a couple of seconds away from entering our built-in hold at T minus four minutes. T minus four minutes and holding. This is a program six-minute hold. As you heard, the teams are working an anomaly issue. Uh, we will not be launching at the beginning of the launch window. We'll stand by for further information. And copies. Teams have been advised to hold off transferring the Gozar spacecraft to internal power, an activity that is normally planned for 10 minutes prior to launch. Timer, go ahead. Roger, do not release the hold. Uh, initiate the uh, standard protocol of uh, adding five minutes as required. Roger. This is Atlas Launch Control. We're in our T-minus four-minute hold, and as the standard protocol, Whenever an anomaly is being worked, the appropriate teams are discussing the issue. And uh, when they've come to a resolution or a recommendation, then they will bring that to the countdown net, at which point we will all learn what the uh, resolution is. At this point, we know we will not be launching at the beginning of the launch window at 5.42 p.m. Eastern Time. We have a one-hour launch window today that runs to 6.42 p.m and we'll stand by for further details. They will be advancing uh, the clock in five minute increments as they discuss the issue today. So our next uh, possible launch opportunity is at 5.47 p.m. So yes, the launch was delayed. Delayed for a technical issue. This is usually the kiss of death. In the past, when I've attended launches, technical issues meant shutting everything down and going out and fixing the issue, or in other words, scrubbing the launch for another day. But we still kept hope alive. The procedure was, as you just heard, to delay the launch in five-minute intervals. So every five minutes, they'd reevaluate and see what's going on, and they'd report back what had happened. Well, once I saw the clock past the halfway point at about 6.15 and the problem still hadn't been resolved, I was pretty sure this launch wasn't going to happen. But to my surprise, we came up to the 6.27 update and lo and behold, the technical issue is fixed. But of course, there's a but. There's an issue in progress on the Eastern Range. The Eastern Range is the Air Force controlled water area. So this meant that there was a boat in the restricted area that wasn't supposed to be there and the Air Force was escorting them out. Now we're down to the wire. It is 6.38 p.m., the last possible delay in reevaluation in order to launch that night. At this point, we heard probably the second most exciting thing you can hear at a launch after the rocket taking off itself. Static check to proceed with terminal count. Atlas systems, propulsion. Go. Hydraulics. Go. Pneumatics. Go. LO2. Go. Water. Go. Centaur systems, propulsion. Go. Pneumatics. Go. 
LO2. LH2. Has gas. Electrical systems. Airborne. Go. Ground. Go. Facility. Go. RFFTS. Go. Flight control. Go. Com. Go. Timer. Go. GCQ. Go. Umbilical. Go. ECS. Go. Redline monitor. Go. Quality. Go. Op safety manager. Go. ULA safety officer. Go. Vehicle system engineer. Go. Anomaly chief. HC is go. Range coordinator. Clear to proceed. Launch director. Launch director is go, and you have permission to launch. So the flight director gave the all clear to launch and the clock started again at the four minute mark. As you can guess, the anticipation in the air was palpable. As the minutes counted down, the excitement grew. 15 seconds and counting. T minus 10, 9, 8, 5 rocket climbed. I'd never seen a night launch before from Kennedy Space Center. It was amazing. Again, the sights, the sound, and then the feeling, all unique to this experience. I think I probably sum it up better in my post-launch recording, which I'll play right now. All right, I am now headed home, having just left the launch and just, well, just left Kennedy Space Center. The launch was not right there at the Space Center. Not right there in the parking lot, of course, but uh, I think you get the idea. Um, wow. That was... I want to say dramatic, but that doesn't sound like the right word, but I can't think of another word. Um, I honestly didn't think it was going to happen, and then and then it happened at the last... I mean, the literally last... or literal last minute. It could not have waited any longer that was the end of the window for it to launch at 6:42, at the absolute close of the launch window was that was uh i don't know that was something that was i don't i kind of lost the words over the whole experience because i honestly thought once we passed six o'clock um if it didn't come come out on recordings and if i don't mention it in the studio they had the launch between 5:42 and 6:42, and once they had a delay and once it passed six o'clock, I said, there's, there's no way I've been down this road before there's, it's not going to happen, but for it to happen at the very last minute, it really couldn't have amped up the anticipation any more than that. So that was great. Fell into a night launch. It was a dusk launch, but it fell into a night launch waiting an hour. And that was pretty incredible too. I had never been in a complete night launch or a, a total uh, sundown night launch. And that is, it's just amazing how the the amount of flames uh, or the thrust, whatever that is coming out of the, uh, well, it is it's flames uh, coming out of the rocket, uh, the solid boosters in particular on this rocket, just light up the sky. Like it is like a sunrise in two minutes. It's an entire sunrise in two minutes and then it goes out. Um, 
So that was cool too. Another cool thing was uh, being it being dark and not having too much lighting around because we were out there on the causeway by the river. I mean, there were safety lights, but they weren't too bright. Uh, the night sky wasn't flooded with light, so we could see the actual entire rocket once the engine, once the main thrusters or the uh, solid boosters cut off and the main engine cut off, we could still see the rocket traveling through the atmosphere, which was pretty cool too. You could see like a little red, red light. Or it wasn't a light, but a, a red spot from the engine still still giving it some thrust now that it's broken the Earth's gravity and was essentially in space, pushing it along. So that was neat, too, another aspect. Great launch, great experience. I say it every time. I can't recommend going to one any more than I already have. If you have the opportunity, go to it, because there is absolutely nothing like it. There are theme parks. I'm surrounded by theme parks here in Orlando. There's some incredible rides. None of them hold a candle to an actual NASA rocket launch. There is there is nothing like it. The, the sight, the sound, and the feeling, I don't know what you would call it, but the feeling the earth shake, feeling the heat of the, the, the um, rocket as it comes across the river over the bank as it, and kind of wraps around you. You just, yeah, the, the rides here are great, don't get me wrong. And I talk about them a lot. A lot on other shows, but there's nothing like a NASA rocket launch. So, um, but the only other thing to report is, I guess, is the uh, just another thing to keep in mind if you go to one. It took me, it's gonna take me about a half hour longer to get home because I just spent about a half hour on the road leaving Kennedy Space Center across the bridge over the river and into the highway that leads me back to Orlando. There's, there's pretty much one road out of Kennedy Space Center. There is there's literally one road out. Actually, the other goes into a restricted area, the other direction. So there's one road out. Everyone has to take it. And you finally get to the intersections where there's a bunch of uh, highways and we all go our separate ways depending on where people are coming from. There's like three or four lights on the road, so it's a lot of stop and go. So if you do go, let's say it takes you an hour to get there, expect at least 90 minutes. I would even plan for two hours to get home if you were to go to a launch, just in case you're planning to do something after it. So that's another little piece of information uh, you might not actually, uh, or not necessarily consider if you're planning to go, but wanted to share that. It's taking, it's going to take me. Let's see. Yeah, according to my according to my phone, it's going to take me probably 90 minutes altogether by the time I'm home because I just. I'm at the highway and it's saying 50 minutes and I know I was on that road for at least a half hour and I've been on the road for about 10 minutes so that's about 90 minutes so I would plan for 90 minutes to 2 hours but worth it absolutely positively worth it and again uh, another great event Another, it's always everyone at Kennedy Space Center especially in the launch staff is always really accommodating really nice and really great to be around so uh, that's it. Uh, I think I'm going to go back to the studio for a wrap-up on this recording. But, uh, yeah, another great launch. So thanks to NASA for this once again. Thanks to Kennedy Space Center. And let's go back to the studio to wrap it up. Uh, with that last report, I'll now wrap up the special episode. It is always great to visit Kennedy Space Center. It's always exciting to experience a launch. This was a great day, and I cannot recommend enough visiting Kennedy Space Center for a launch if you have the opportunity. There is literally nothing else like it anywhere, and you have to see it for yourself. We have a lot more shows on Kennedy Space Center and NASA on NeoZaz, including a three-part series covering the historic maiden launch of the Orion spacecraft. All those can be found at NeoZaz.com. We have our social media pages as well. We are NeoZaz Podcasts on Facebook, NeoZaz on Twitter, and NeoZaz on Instagram. 
We also have a Patreon campaign for the network. Listener contribution is what keeps all of these shows and everything we do at NeoZaz online. If you'd like to learn more about how to keep these shows and specials coming, check out our campaign at patreon.com slash NeoZaz. So that is it. I want to thank you for joining me in this episode. I hope you check out some of our other past space-inspired shows as well as the ones yet to come. So one more time, I am Matt from NeoZaz.com. Thank you once again for listening, and I hope to see you in our next special.